0: I'm Ginger Birkenbuehl. And I'm Esther Ikoro. And we're the hosts of the Honest
1: Field Guide podcast. Entrepreneurship is no joke. The journey is full of anticipation, failure, hope, and disappointment. You'll make money and be totally broke at the same time. The Honest Field Guide podcast tells you the truth. We know being an entrepreneur is crazy hard and you will sometimes cry at dinner. Listen in to be inspired, laugh, and learn how to really thrive on your business journey.
0: Hi, Ginger. Hey, Esther. How's it going? Great. We've got an amazing guest in the studio with us today. We have Quinn Bryant today on the Honest Field Guide podcast.
1: So Quinn is a super creative and entrepreneur. Born, raised, and thriving in Chicago, she has successfully launched two e-commerce companies and most recently published her first book, What Would Jay-Z Do?, She is hyper-engaged in raising the public discourse around Black excellence and is currently focused on helping other Black-owned businesses become easily located through her loyalty and discount product, The Real Black Card. Welcome, Quinn, my queen, my queen, (laughs) queen of all time, the woman that I've been chasing for years and following on Instagram and social, someone who is part of my launch in Chicago of the Google Digital Coaches program. Really been inspired by you for, I don't know how long. Likewise. Oh, thank you. Your creativity, your visuals, your expression, your ability to communicate about issues related to Black people in business and Black culture in general. Just thank you so much for I coming try. on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank <laughs>
2: you. For thank you.
0: Me. <laughs> you literally wrote the bible on Jay-Z. <laughs> on Jay-Z. Don't get
2: me don't in trouble me <laughs> now. On Jay-Z. On Jay-Z. Don't get me in trouble. What also does that up. mean?
1: Don't get you in trouble. Well,
2: I mean, I, I expected it to be controversial. Ooh. Um I mean, you know, people yeah. are sensitive about religion. Yeah. Um although that's I'm not trying to start a religion. It just has a leather cover
0: and nice peeling. I mean the, pages. the
2: bible does not have a monopoly on Gold trim pages and leather leather books.
0: (laughs) That's really interesting.
2: But I did think that that look made it Mm -hmm. made it clear that the content of the book is official. But you know,
0: yeah. So you thought about that aesthetic. That was a a purposeful aesthetic choice.
2: Although we've been told our whole lives not to judge books by their covers, people do. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I gave you both. (laughs) Gave you cover and content.
1: You know, and and so that everybody knows. I want you to talk a little about, you know, what would Jay-Z do and and what is this book you produced and and why you produced it and what does it mean? So give people context because, um, I mean, I have a visual in my head. I have the book in my hand. I'm turning the pages, I feel it. I know what it looks like. Talk a little bit about the product.
2: Uh, So what would Jay-Z do is a book of daily affirmations inspired by Jay-Z lyrics. So, for instance, you might get um, don't be good, be great. Um, And it just kind of goes in and gives a little perspective or insight into life experiences. And it really was kind of like a brain dump for me. Like, when the book started, when I wrote it, like, four years ago, it was just, like, late night, and I just was doing a brain dump. And it kind of started out as more of, like, a fan letter. um, Just my experiences chasing around <laughs> Jay-Z. <laughs> you were chasing Jay-Z as I was chasing you. I was chasing an internship with Jay-Z. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Like, from the beginning, I'm like, this guy's really smart. Like, that's my thing. Like, I kind of, like, find smart people and, like... Hold on to them. That's why I'm like, oh, I haven't seen you in a year. That's okay. But I know, like, I still have this smart person in my circle. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, like, I have a resource if I need it, although I haven't quite figured out how to utilize my resources. But at least I know I got like all these smart people around me. So I feel like the energy is like vibrating. But anyway, um, so wait, so wait, sorry, you were up
1: late. And you were writing a fan letter. I mean, do you know where he lives? How do you, how are you, what was happening?
2: I mean, it was a fan letter and content or it was just more like a recollection of my story because not that I would tell it to everybody, but everyone that I would tell it to, I actually got an internship once because of telling like, those stories
0: did you grow up around entrepreneurs so you mentioned your father and your uncle how did that look different were they creative what were their entrepreneurial
2: so my father was like 50 50 so he did like a nine to five but he's an accountant so he did like a nine to five and then he you know did his own like freelance stuff especially around tax season but he had clients that he like managed all year round um my uncle just was like for as long as I could remember, like, full-on, 100% entrepreneur. And, like, you know, his office was, like, out of his basement, like, just, hold, like, full-on. So he was always working, always yeah. hustling. Even, like, my aunt, like, on my stepmom's side, like, she had her own, like, accounting firm. Mm-hmm. My uncle was an attorney, had his own loft. So I always kind of, like, had these entrepreneurial people around me. And I remember being eight. I don't know if I should say this. I remember being Yes, you should, definitely. And my I think it was like during like the first recession and my father was like laid off and you know my my dad would come home from work and I would spend the rest of the night in my dad's office with him. He'd be doing work, and I just... He had a couch in there, and I'd just, like, be sitting on the couch like, hey, do you need help with something? Can I file... The, like, you know, I wow. would file, staple, mm-hmm. whatever. And my father just kind of, like, stared at a computer screen all day. Like, numbers and calculators, and, you know, the TV would be on, and that would be, like, our bonding time. But we we were working, and, you know, I'm a question asker. So... I just remember his statement. He's like, "Never feel like you have loyalty to a company because they'll never have loyalty to you." Mm. So even though I started out like super corporate, like my, my like my first job was like at the Chicago Tribune as a telemarketer, but immediately after that, I was like working at Quaker Oats. PepsiCo and like corporate communications, investor relations. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like I'm on the top floor with the CEO and I was like 16. And I'm like, this is dope. So wait, you were
1: 16 working at PepsiCo? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I'm sorry. Can you just back up a little bit?
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Government relations, community relations, investor relations, like they were all on the same floor. And I supported all of them. So
1: Wait, but but 16? Yeah, was it
2: was my high school work study. Oh my gosh. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So the same class where I learned like Microsoft Office and typing and all those type of things. They so I left school like starting my like junior year, like at about eleven o'clock mm-hmm. and worked.
1: Wow. And so that was sort of the start of you seeing a super professionalized yeah. um business experience versus, yeah. you know, looking at the entrepreneur space, which a lot of times it's businesses and you know, off your kitchen table.
2: Yeah, which I think that's why I have both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Like that. Like I know how to handle myself in any situation, but I'm like, but what I prefer is a situation where I can just go to work and be who I am, right? And not be like this version of myself because I'd like my first full time job out of college was back there because of the relate at Quaker because of the relationships that I'd made. That's awesome.
1: So I can't yeah. even imagine like sixteen years old
2: working in it. Well, no, I corporate. mean I can't
1: imagine sixteen years old anybody looking at me saying, Can you come back and work for me? I mean, when I was sixteen, <laughs> there's nothing like that going on in my space, in my head or my heart at all. So I mean, and that actually is a question I wanted to ask you. Like, um, you know, when did you, was that the, was that was when you realized you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Did you have a word for it? I mean, what, like, what was happening? Were you thinking, because a lot of times you come out of high school, you're like, I'm going to get a job or I'm going to go to college. But what happened with you?
2: I always knew I was going to get a job. It okay. just was like, I knew ultimately I wouldn't land there. I wasn't going to be like a lifer at some company. Right. It, you know, I wanted to like make my own rules and do my own thing. You knew and, that at 16. Seventeen, yeah. Like, what year did Boomerang come out? I don't know, the ad but agency? did you?
0: I oh, mean, I was thinking about Boomerang on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, recently, yeah, that just uh, came recently.
1: Out. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> seriously. seriously, Esther. Like, did you, I mean think about this? I mean, what were you doing don't. at that? Sixteen? Were you thinking about? No, I know her <laughs> face. Esther's face is like her eyebrows are up. Like, I wasn't no,
0: doing that. Nope. No. Um. Even it's interesting because you're the second person in a row. We've we've spoken to three female entrepreneurs. All of them saw entrepreneurship from the perspective of their fathers all of them spent time observing passively or actively their fathers oh that's why you guys gave each
2: other like the because
0: when you were like when you (laughs) said you used to just sit around and staple and just randomly just being in the presence of that is really interesting yeah um that that is a through line that we've heard from all people
2: So my first job was actually ironing my dad's shirts for work. He'd pay me, like, I think at the time it was like a dollar twenty-five per shirt to iron his shirts. I was ironing shirts he didn't even wear. It's like he had, like, old shirts. So what, did you love ironing, too? No, I mean, well, we when, I to, when I first learned how to— You I money. I mean, I knew how to—at the time, I knew how to iron pretty well. At least I thought I did, but my brother was probably just getting me to do his ironing. Like, hey, can you iron my— my stuff but anyway so um my dad's like you know if you iron my shirts for work um I'll pay you a dollar 25 per shirt so if I had a goal of like something I knew I wanted to purchase I'm like okay so I need to you know iron like 15 shirts so I would like spend my Sundays like washing and ironing his shirts like a dry little dry cleaner um and there were shirts that he knew he didn't wear, but I'm like, well, I ironed those yeah. and he would still pay me for them. But That's And great. then like
1: every summer or how long did that this was, last? And that how much was money ongoing
2: for years until I started working.
1: Did you save all that money? I mean, how, is that where you also learned, like how to... I saved to... it for
2: something else. It wasn't like, uh, I still have that money sitting around.
1: So a minute ago, you were just talking about how you were working for your father and you were saving money because you had a goal And I think that when I hear you talk about goals, and I've been following you over time, I'm not necessarily knowing if you have goals aligned already and on a spreadsheet, or if you come up with, you know, magical things, like you said earlier, when you were writing in the night, and you were writing a letter to Jay-Z, and then you know, then you see the goal. Can you you talk about that, that creative process for yourself?
2: Yeah, so there's an overarching goal that I want to get to, but... So many things do pop into my head where it's like, oh, and how about that? Just like what I've learned to do was see when I come up with these little bursts is like look and be like, how does this fit? within the overarching goal versus just going off, like running off in this direction with this new idea and it having nothing to do with where I'm trying to go. So, and it actually has worked out, I think. So my brother and my brother kind of like made me focus with that. He's like, everything you do needs to be building on the last thing that you did and all have that same tone of the, what would Jay-Z do? And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Even Black Card was, black excellence, black businesses, like, you know, like, I think Jay-Z's proven me right on that one. Um, So it's like, I mean, which he's talked about like from the beginning, but everything kind of makes sense. And I think it has served a purpose. Like before I left Chicago, I kind of was Super. I'm still kind of low key, but I was like very low key. I I think anyway. So black card like allowed me to become more familiar with the local black owned businesses and people in the industry, and that's how we met. Honestly, right. so I mean, I think everything comes full circle, and it has served a purpose and and played into the whole brand image. Uh, well, not even just the brand. I guess I am my brand, but just what I care about and what I'm passionate about like so
1: when you talk about your um, creative process because I I do have a creative process and mine is very methodical I do a lot of writing I put things in books and binders and I take a lot of notes and I record you know I record things you know in on my phone and you know things like that Um, I whiteboard so for you I feel like you're like you said earlier you use the word burst and I I see you as a Um, an amazing, super creative that is bursting with ideas. How do you get from the initial inspiration space to the idea, to the actual execution? And I do want to hear about the real black card because um, that's, I think that's a brilliant, brilliant concept. But what does your creative process actually look like? Because sometimes it's hard for us entrepreneurs and all three of us in the room. I mean, we're all creatives. Um, to hone in and focus and then start to execute. I mean, you're executing. Yeah. So how do you get from the burst to the execution? What it's, I mean, walk people through this because, you know, when we were on the honest field guide podcast, we're, we're trying to give people ideas and strategies and tactics how we did it and you can do it, too, kind of thing.
2: Oh, it's completely random. But I do write everything down. Mm-hmm. I told my dad, I said, when I die, whoever is unlucky enough to have to unpack my house, they're probably going <laughs> to think I'm crazy. <laughs> and He's like, or not. Or they're going to think you're a genius. And I'm like, that's why I rocks with you. because <laughs> I literally like have post-its everywhere. I probably have like about 600 notes in my phone. Um, I have notebooks just everywhere, but I purge it and I get it out and I that's where it kind of sucks because I don't always come back to it. And those are just the things I write down. Esther, so, you know that. Yes. I
0: think it's a creative thing. Well I know. you know. You've it's interesting, we're at different stages of being creative professionals. Ginja uh-huh. has had her business for 20 years and she's honed yeah, her, her process. Creative a mind. It's
1: a little faster for me,
0: but yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I used to be the person that had several notebooks. Um, <laughs> what do you have now? I actually have been using, I have one Moleskin notebook. Oh. And then I accompany that with an app on my iPad. Do tell I love it. That's, the app? It's called WhatPad. I can show it to you later, but it's great. <laughs> it's. Great. I love
1: it. So you've simplified your I've simplified creative process. It. Wow. Yeah. And I use
0: my calendar a lot. Okay. Google Calendar.
2: I'm not there I yet. I love it. That's a lot different than... <laughs> I'm not there. You're yet. not there, so you. I have do post use notes my calendar everywhere. a lot, but it doesn't always mean something. Just because <laughs> it doesn't, just because it's there, I'll see it and I'll you, be Ken, like, "Am I still so there? Funny. Do I still want to do that?" Yeah,
1: I don't know. So, but you're saying, I like, do like, move your, on very your quickly. Your ideas though get lost. They get lost in the ether is What you're saying, because you're just so creative. You're pushing out so much information, so much content. You're just in a state, a constant state of creation.
2: Yeah, and I don't think all those ideas are always for me. Just because I had it doesn't mean that it was oh, meant for me. wow. Interesting. Like, you know. Very
1: interesting. So
2: I give, like, people— So I what does that mean? Like, n- you
1: share? All the time. I mean, you're just like, this I, idea isn't for me. Let me talk to someone about it and then, like, release it. If comes up while, while I'm to
2: you, if I want it, I'll write it down. If I don't want it.
1: <laughs>
0: You'll allow it to pass like a ship You'll in allow the
2: night. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, just give me my credit. Say, thanks, Quinn. <laughs> And we'll move on with our lives. But What have been
0: your biggest hurdles when it comes to trying to use your art as part of your business or turn your art into business? Because you mentioned, hopefully I get credit. Mm-hmm. My initial thought, just because of the way I've been trained, is like, intellectual property. Oh, no. Protect you know, I don't want it, though.
2: I mean, you know, I mean, I want it, but I don't. I hope that. You can you if I like gave, if you if if next year I'm like wait a minute Esther started school of rap. <laughs> Hopefully when you're on your next podcast you're like thanks Quinn like you know or gotcha. not or like you know what I was having that conversation with Quinn that day and she really just made me think wow why why am I not doing this like cite people like mm-hmm. thank you I was yeah I was that's really- a whole
1: another conversation yeah. we've talked about that mm-hmm. we've talked about the the lack of giving credit. Not not necessarily because because of any legal issue, but really just because in a culture of collaboration and creation, and which is what we're talking about, and and working together and bringing things to life, um, you know, it's okay
2: to be inspired and you don't, don't be gre- and don't be greedy. Yeah. yeah, don't be greedy, right? And I, mean, I feel like things it. come back to you. And I mean, you know, you don't have to hit me with a thank you per se, but just a uh Guys, like we had that great conversation, and this it came out of this conversation. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's feedback for me too, because I throw so much stuff at people sometimes. I don't know if they're really like, "Girl, shut up," or if it's like, "Oh, that was helpful." They look like they're engaged in the conversation. Well, your pre-
1: but- your your reputation precedes you, though, Quinn, yeah, because when sorry. I've been in conversations with others, all I hear is, "Oh my God, she's so creative," and I think that that's something that's lacking. Um. And a lot of entrepreneurs, they're not necessarily fully creative and especially, um, creative with more than one concept or more than one idea. Um, and that's what I kind of love about what you're doing because I don't think you've reached the end. I think you're at the very beginning of your, you know, creative experience and your creative life. Um, you mentioned the Real Black Card a couple times, and we there's so much we could talk to you about. We might have to do a part two, you know, Quinn Bryant, but can you talk about the Real Black Card? Because that's actually something that um, I love and I enjoy it, and I want other people to know what that product is for you. I
2: feel sometimes when it comes to buying Black and supporting Black that that topic is so serious, people kind of shut down sometimes. It, they feel as if they're being reprimanded or... Um preach too mm-hmm. um so the real black and then also from having like a decade of liquor experience and just growing up in a house where my parents always hosted a party i I do enjoy a good time so my idea was just like how do I tackle a serious issue but make it fun so that's you know again back to my parents and their parties and just hanging out. Um, the cards always came out. Playing cards always came out. Dominoes always came out. So I'm like, wait a minute. This is one time where it's like, well, like cell phones. Like Mm. people are just like staring at Mm. playing cards. Mm. And I'm like, wait, that's like valuable real estate. We don't need all those hearts on the card, all those spades on the card. We can take that off. Like it's one place where you're looking to see what kind of cards you have. We can use the rest of that space to market people as, you know, advertising space. So essentially what I did was use a deck of playing cards and use the real estate on those playing cards to be advertisements for Black-owned businesses. And I took it a step further because of my time spent in couponing at Quaker. And that's where the coupon idea came from. On top of... You know, nobody really wants to pay full price for anything. And so, so what is the coupon idea? The coupon was to incentivize people to uh, shop to buy more at these Black-owned businesses. I didn't want the businesses feel like they were taking a hit to give a discount. I kept saying, like, uh, small business owners complain, primarily Black small business owners complain, that people always ask for a discount as if they didn't value their product or their service. Endless, endless conversation. Yeah, and I kept saying consumers complain about the price at black owned businesses, so when you think about why they're charging so much, it, they don't they don't get the traffic that right. Macy's get. So, so
1: describe the um the real black card. I mean, it's it's a beautiful box. It's black. The lettering is bold. So, I mean, did you're also a graphic designer too?
2: I'm not a graphic designer. I know what I want. And well, that's I a graphic. Tell, de- <laughs> I don't know how to do. I don't have the technical knowledge. Got it. So what I'll do was like find like okay, like, I want the font to be like this, or I want it placed here. Like, I'm very... um, As much as I'm not a micromanager in my career when it comes to a project I want, like, I know what I want, but I think if someone comes up with something better, like, if they can sharpen it, I'm all for it.
1: So you're not actually producing an InDesign. So what are you doing? Do you have a team of people that you bring to a you? Sketch. Do you have someone <laughs> talk about that process? Because I think that the, the reason I'm asking is that, you know, when, when Esther started working for my company, um, you know, she's a lot like you. She has these amazing, brilliant ideas, not necessarily the, the hard skills to execute in terms of the design process, but she has um, great like brain to concept to paper and then that's kind of where it sort of stops. Make someone a bit. do something with this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can't make it come to life. I mean, and I and and
1: the reason why this is an important conversation for me is that there actually are not enough super creative plus skilled African Americans in design school. Okay, so there just aren't enough of us there. Um, when I was in school, I was the only black person that was in the class. That was in design at the time when I was in school. I was the first black graduate that came on a design school at the school I attended. And so I think that, you know, you have not only brilliant ideas, but you have an incredible aesthetic. And so I just want to understand very technically, you know, how are you getting from A to B? Because here's the deal. If you can't actually execute, there's a zillion people that can for you. and you. But you also have to be able to articulate So I want you to really talk about that. If you can walk us through that step from one to three or one to five or one to ten.
2: Like, I see things so clearly in my head. And, you know, I don't think I'm when I when I sometimes I get caught up on my like creative ideas. So I try to describe them. I try to find people that get me. Um, (laughs) And some people do. They're like, no, I get what you're saying. Awesome. Okay. if they don't, I I don't know how to draw, but I figure it out for that. Like. Um, I'll like like even like the guy that my screen printer, I'll like draw t shirts and tell him like and draw the shirt. And he's I send them and he's for him, he's like, This is perfect. Thank you. I know exactly what you want. It's fine. So um again, I can't draw it's like stickman and stuff like that, but I think it helps communicate what I'm trying to make happen versus I don't know. I get so excited about my ideas that when I like actually let them out, I'm like, does it make sense to me? I don't know if it makes sense to you. So
1: with the real black card, it's actually a box. I mean, did you it's actually. It's deck of cards. Right. Did you research? Did you did you go to stores and look at boxes? Of course. Were you doing typographic research? Were so you I, looking at colors and textures and patterns? I mean, what was it Or of just because you can't just sit here and say. It was magical and it just it just invented itself. So
2: I mean, always would buy decks of cards. So one of my best friends is like a huge card player. So whenever I would travel, I you know, instead of shot glasses, I would always get her a deck of cards. I would like look for like the coolest deck of cards and I'm like, Okay, these are the ones I'm gonna give her. So Okay, wait, everyone I
1: just wanna repeat, I love Quinn Bryant. Everyone needs to know this. She is amazing. <laughs> I love her. Okay, go ahead, continue. Thank you.
2: <laughs> um so that would be the gift I get would get the, the souvenir that I would get her a deck of playing cards. So that was I actually don't play cards and I I I, like, make fun of them all the time because in college, they would, play, like, play spades. And I'm like, come on, like, teach me how to play. And they're like, this is not the time to teach you when we're, like, yeah. whooping on <laughs> people spades. is are
0: spades. serious.
2: Like, I know how to play dominoes. <laughs> dominoes is my mm-hmm. game. But mm-hmm. spades, I just never... I guess because I was so focused on dominoes, I didn't really take the time to learn spades. But... They talk so much crap that I'm like, i got to get in on this. It's fun. So, And they look like they were having so much fun. So at at the time, it was just, it was enough fun for me to like laugh at them. Because my friend is generally so like demure. Like she's just like very like meek and quiet. And when the cards came out, it was like a whole different situation. But so anyway, I would always see cards. I would always like be on the lookout for cards just because of that. And I mean, with me, like, it's always pretty simple, generally, like with my design of something, it's going to be black.
1: I mean, what I love about what Quinn is talking about is, um, you know, obviously she's she's bringing in things from her childhood and that are are in her, you know, in her mind and bringing them to life. Um, But she's tapping into black culture with cards you know, which I think is great. Um, and, and it's not something that it's intentional. It's just part of your process. And even when you think about um, what would Jay-Z do, I mean, the the Bible, the concept of the Bible that's mm. completely tapping into black, black culture. culture. Yeah. I love what you're doing around that. I just think that um, sometimes people squash some of those instincts when they're creating. Yeah. Um, but you don't do that.
2: Probably should in some cases, but. Never squash. <laughs>
1: Never squash. <laughs>
2: I, yeah, I just kind of throw it out there. Like, if it sticks, it sticks. Um, Especially, like, if I think it's a good idea. I have, like, a certain group of people that it's, like, there are very few people whose opinion I actually care about. Um, Or especially, you know, maybe about certain things. If it was like, hey, like, you know, like... I, I may not care about my dad's opinion about my digital strategy, but if you're like, no, coin, that's whack, then I'm like, OK, I got to go back <laughs> to the charm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But it's like mm-hmm. I have like a group of like three people that I'll be like, hey, I had this idea. What do you think? Um, and especially like style wise, there are people whose style I just I'm like, wait, like. It's. I, I just prefer, like, simplicity and, like, cleanliness. Yep. Like, just keep it clean. You don't have to overdo it. But sometimes I go too far and I, like, throw glitter on something. And I'm like, wait, you just messed that up. It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. What Glitter's just good. Do? Don't you love glitter? Sometimes. Right. Sometime, <laughs> well, there, there glitter is good when it's a gold trim on a yeah. Bible-like book. It's not good if it's, like, at, so at one one version of that book, the... We're talking Instead about what would Jay Z do, right? Yeah. Okay. The one version of what would Jay Z do? It wasn't a debossed logo, black on black. It was gold, uh, metallic. Oh, and it just looked like ostentatious, tacky, it looked tacky. very tacky, cheesy. Like, uh, yeah. Yep.
0: Just start saying synonyms right. for, for things we don't like.
2: <laughs> yeah. It looks pretty tacky. So I'm like, you know, like they're. they're there would there would be people mm-hmm. that I'd like I'd snap a picture and be like, "What do you think?" And someone's like, "Oh, I think that's dope." And someone's like, mm, "I'd like the black on black side, or let's try it this way." I love um, it. Um, or maybe black and white. So, um, there are people whose opinions I seek out. And
1: I what I I think what I love about when I hear Quinn talk about this too, um, you know, as an amazing serial entrepreneurs, which is how I like to describe you, um, as as well as being a super creative. You take feedback and yeah, you're you're not protective you're not so protective of your ideas that you're not willing to um, learn and grow and and you know build something bigger I mean it's it's a lot of entrepreneurs get really caught up in serving themselves yeah and serving their own idea and not letting other people in to sort of Help build something. Um, it took me a while to get like that. I mean, because you have a certain place in your career where you're like, I gotta, you know, plow through and get it done. Yeah. But then you start realizing there's only so far you can go. Yeah. Unless you bring other people to the process.
2: So that's what's been not a challenge for me, but I guess just mm-hmm. finding the right people.
1: Um, mm-hmm. But the
2: right people. Uh, just people that get me. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my personality is kind of. What does, does that mean? I, yeah. What I'm very passionate. Uh huh. Um, so,
0: Are you an introvert or an extrovert? By I'm your an
2: introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert. I prefer to be by alone yourself. most of the time. But when I'm on, I'm on. But it's also exhausting. Um,
0: oh, we're kind of the same person. That's yeah, weird. it's
2: like, oh, I can't go be around people. <laughs> you think, Esther? No.
0: <laughs> you think? <laughs> no. <but laughs>
2: yeah, it's like, I can't do this anymore. But while I'm in it, I'm in it. But like when I'm not, it's like I have to like go away and like recharge. How does that affect
0: Um, the way you do business? Because you talked about the real black card being a way that you got to know the businesses around you. It almost seemed like it was like a a conduit for you to connect with black businesses and the landscape in that way.
2: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, it does affect it because I'm not always in that space where I... I don't I, I guess I didn't really look at it until recently. Like you're kind of selling yourself um, and just being a marketer. I always was like selling something else or, and selling it from behind the scenes. Not like so there everything happens in divine order. And I always would be like, yeah, I'm not into sales. I'm not into sales. And life just kind of happened where I ended up taking positions where I had to sell and I would hate it I would like sit in my car like before going into a place like get it together get it together Can we just talk about this (laughs) Esther oh my god I like I told you my first well that technically wasn't my first job but
0: yeah my it just
2: was like put I felt like it was it's one thing I think it's one thing to just have to sell like vacuum cleaners and then there's another thing to have to sell vacuum cleaners if you're if you enjoy cleaning <laughs> and it's just yeah, you know like exactly. That that's why this uh, Jay Z book is like so like such a big deal. And as much as I say like my attention span is like this, like I've been a fan since I was fifteen, and it hasn't gone away. And I move on very quickly. You like, say that
0: a lot. I'm like
2: obsessed. Wait, with something what does she say a lot that, that I move she, on?
0: That she mo- has oh, a she short attention on. span. I'm yeah. either obsessed
2: with you, with yeah. you, or an idea, or yeah. whatever. Or mm-hmm. I'm completely like I've forgotten about you. Yeah.
1: Wow. I'm. I'm. I got it. I got you on that completely. Yeah. It's. 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 I mean, yeah. Sustaining interest.
2: Yeah, can be a challenge. Yeah, you know, you're either like the best thing since sliced bread or you're stale. Exactly. Read
0: nope. for six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever felt like you've been in a creative slump or some sort of rut? Cause sometimes when you have those big bursts of energy, and then you're like, Ugh, "Okay,"
2: you you mentioned this, so I have the ideas. I think where I fall short as an entrepreneur is um, the execution. Um, mm, I do not pref- really. Yeah, <laughs> it's dude, so many execution things
0: that, per idea. I guess yeah, percentage oh, per wise. idea.
2: Yeah, you mean in terms of the volume. So okay, so one as as a career, like that was really my thing to do the execution. It was someone else like they threw me the ball and it was like, all right, I'm on it. So I know how to do it. It's just always having like that motivation to do it and then st- uh, staying focused on that idea mm. because. Today it's school of rap and tomorrow it's you know school of blues and I'm like <laughs> who you you're supposed to be doing that I'm done with that but because I didn't have a team like Blackheart was me like just me I like found like freelance like graphic designers and I'm and that's why it w- required me to be like okay no I wanted like this like there were some people that I'd reach out to that I'm like, okay, yeah, like just do your thing and design. And I'd look at the cards, and I'm like, I feel like what I came up with was I'm more drawn to that than what they did. And I don't want to like just move forward with something that I just don't really feel strongly about. Mm-hmm. So, but so I don't quite have. I have people that I go to, but I feel like I've started to form a team with what would Jay Z do? Because, and they part of the prerequisite is that they are Jay Z fans.
1: So, I mean, what you're describing right now is, um, you know, you've had people around you that help you. stay out of the ruts if you do find yourself in some
2: especially now especially like, now even with with what would jay-z do like and i think that's the p- part of the being a jay-z fan like having somebody like believe in what you do or what you're doing mm-hmm. so much so that they are like willing to keep you on track yeah is like like so what happened with this or are you like are you still planning the you know boat what party? what about the chess instructions what about what they call
1: those accountability partners
2: yeah, but it's mm-hmm. not even just that. It's like, what can I do? Okay. Who can I? It's like she's like on my team now, like legit, like, I love and it's it. just. And I think part of it is she's just like, this is just a great idea. Like, I love it. Like, how can I come be a part of it? And I think that's probably why it may have been hard to find a team before. Like Blackheart, I think people thought it was cool, but a lot of people didn't get it.
1: They didn't get it conceptually, or they didn't actually physically get it because you were also dealing with. The actual delivery of the cards, too, at one point. Yeah,
2: but I think it was more like conceptual. Like People like saw saw it was a deck of cards, but then they didn't really get the coupon and they didn't really. It's just something that seems so obvious to me. I'd been sitting on that idea for so long. It got to the point where it was just like this communication block where I didn't know how to simplify it for people. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's a coupon. Where is it now? I, trying to still restructure it okay. so it's over, and then like also tap into like the mobile
1: mm-hmm, component mm-hmm. like
2: y- so you get it like um, I mean, some of what some of what you're talking
1: of, about too though is um, you know distribution challenges and like you said, um not not being able to scale it or, but if I'm or, always being
2: the creative force behind yeah. it and the strategic exactly it's like. I need someone to help me on that with the execution of it because I might have the relationships, but it's like, it's just, it's just kind of, it's like, I want it to be its best. I want it to be simplified for people. I want it to be something a lot of the feedback I got is people would buy it and they would ride around with the cards in their purses or whatever and never actually take advantage of that 20% discount. I'm like, this is an opportunity for you to save 20% of your disposable income just by buying black. Mm-hmm. Just by buying black. Stuff that you're buying anyway. Um, instead of you going and getting that white tea from that beauty supply store go to Sir and Madam and, you know, like, mm-hmm. so what's
1: happening with it now? I mean, do you, is it, is it something that, I mean, cause so, you know, my husband and I, we have three records and we're trying to work on our fourth record and, and, you know, there's, there's a point where you're thinking, am I ever, is this ever going to really come to life? I mean, are you still feeling passionate about the real black card or is I am, it, is it It's more, just, I want okay. it to be. So you haven't given up on it. No, I haven't okay. given up on
2: it. It's just, um, That's good. I feel like it might, be reincarnated in a different way.
1: Mm, So you're kind of thinking a little bit about that right now. Yeah. It's something, I mean, is this part of what you would call a goal that you have in your head? You're like, you know what? I have a vision of this goal. Mm, Yes. Interesting.
2: It's, you know, I mean, I'm not giving up on getting black people to buy black. Okay. Not even just black people. We spend our money everywhere and I don't think my ask was unrealistic. It was never a Spend a hundred percent of your income with black-owned business. It's spend more mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. If we just like boost it just a little, mm-hmm. like the game changes completely. And I think once people see that change, hopefully it won't be, a, you know, contentment.
1: I wish that Esther and I could sit down and strategize with you around, you know, how to bring that to the next level. You know, at some point because I heart. think, yeah, yeah, yeah be, for, for, sure. for sure,
0: definitely. <music> You mentioning mobile kind of brought me to my next question as well, because you've been doing this creative professional thing for a while now and technology, social media, the way that people purchase things, the way people interact with things has changed. Now you have um, what would Jay-Z do, which is a very solid physical product that you can give people. Obviously that can be translated into an app or something like that, but it has a feel. I had
2: that went wrong, but whatever. (laughs) It's coming back. Yeah. Okay, I mean, if you want it's to talk coming about back. That you can talk about that. Well, the whole intention behind the app was to give people daily alerts. It was kind of like an alarm clock. So if you're like, I get up at just for the sake of this conversation, four forty four every morning, then you set that that <laughs> alarm, and that's when you get your daily affirmation.
0: Interesting. So
2: yeah. that's what I communicated to the app developer. Oh no. That's not what came out of it.
1: <laughs> her face has changed. Have you noticed no, her expression? <laughs> Esther. It's just I'm disappointment. Looking. It's yeah. disappointment and yep. a little bit of disgust. Yep. Um, oh.
2: But what happened was they I'm not a techie. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I trust you to do the job that you're being paid to do. Um <laughs> what a but word. I also trust, trust you to trust. do what I asked to do. Yeah. So he created all these like little cute little things in the app which i'm like yeah that's cute but what about (laughs) this and the intention was behind it that if you um the this was the initial intention intention if you bought the book then you had free access to the app if you didn't buy the book then you could subscribe for the app
1: Mm -hmm.
2: because maybe you don't read Physical books, maybe, you know, you know that there's no way you're going to, like, keep up with the book or whatever. Whatever your challenge is with an actual physical book, um, this is a way around it. So you can have access to the, nap, the app. So all the little cute little bells and whistles were there, which were things that he did on his own. But there wasn't the thing one thing that I'd asked for. And at this point now, it was just a free app. <laughs> I'm like, I can't afford to... Keep paying you for I've already come out of pocket, but I can't afford to pay you monthly to maintain a app that's free. Where's the subscription part? So that's Where's the, the daily alert. Those
1: are the cautionary tales of when you're an yeah. entrepreneur and you're 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 actually collaborating. And you mentioned earlier finding the right people because, yeah. um, you know, this is where it gets really tricky for us, and this is where you start losing your steam and people start like eating your energy and taking away your creative yeah. spirit when you have this level of you know, a crushing defeat in yeah. some ways, because it kind of is. And yeah. it's, it's happened to all of us that are launching ideas to the, to the level and volume that we're doing it. Um, you know, I don't even know what the solution is. I mean, it is a cautionary tale for when you jump into these kind of spaces, especially when you're talking about the tech the tech gap.
0: Yeah, something that's out of that's your... totally... I think the key word is trust, is what you said.
2: Well, in hindsight, he would have had to take a chance on me. Instead of me paying him up front... Yeah. For him to build the app, he would have had to take that chance on me. Like if he wanted the business, like yeah. you uh-huh. have to take that chance on me that I'm gonna pay. Yeah. Because I think I just like was like, okay.
0: Here's money. Yeah. Please and it, it wasn't just
2: that. It's he'd done so, ugh, I'd gotten a referral uh, oh, Okay, and part oh. of I should have I should have been asking the right questions, right? I was
1: gonna say, I mean, I actually am the opposite of that. I typically um do not ask people to work on credit until a product is delivered. I never, ever do that. And I always have a contract in place, but I always have very clear outcomes and goals and process descriptions lined Mm. up. And then I issue deposits and they don't get paid anything in full until the project is complete. (laughs) Um, But I'm just saying, I mean, this is something that, you know, you learn as you're going through your journey of Launching businesses and concepts and ideas, you figure out what works and what doesn't work. And the next time you won't make that
2: mistake again. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it seems obvious in hindsight, like, sure, you know, but it's like, I I think things just were happening. I was busy at the time. That's when I was like planning like the whole launch of everything. And I was more consumed with the printer for that. It just, I just was more consumed with everything. And I knew I wasn't going to be of much value to an app developer. So it was kind of like go off, do your thing. But I mean, earlier you did also
1: talk about one of your weaknesses that you recognize very clearly is that you're not leveraging your network as effectively Correct. as you need to. Correct. So you know, this is a situation where had you leveraged your mm-hmm. network, you might have gotten a better solution and even and even better talent to yeah. help you build this absolutely. right. Yeah, and absolutely. so that's always a cautionary tale for any entrepreneur to. um You know, not get so overwhelmed, like you were suggesting with things happening and swirling around you that you take some shortcuts. And, you know, this is sometimes an outcome of a shortcut. It's happened to me many times where I've taken a shortcut and I've looked back and said, oh, yeah, well, that's what I get. Right. (laughs) Exactly. That could have been avoided. Reap what you sow.
2: What
0: would you say to your—so you've learned some lessons. You've taken a couple lumps. You've gotten back up. Glad you're still here. Some (laughs) people get defeated by stuff like that, and they're like— Oh, not uh, something like that. (laughs) —shoulder slump. Oh, yes. There's people that do that. (laughs) Well, for
2: me, it's like, you know, I like—I'm vent. a venter. So I'll vent about something, and I'm over it.
0: Good. Good. That's a good technique. What would you say to your younger creative self, looking back on the things that you've learned and how you've evolved and you're bringing things to fruition? What were some of the things that you struggled with that you would say
2: not actually considering myself creative it was just me like mm, there was just things that I was into and I I don't know I think I've I I think I've just grown period like I've actually paid attention to the things that get my interest or like followed written things down instead Mm -hmm. of just, like, boop.
0: Did you not have a title for it or know it was something that I didn't know it was.
2: Yeah, I just didn't—I didn't really know what it was. I just, like, considered myself, like, weird.
1: (laughs) And so what about your—I mean, that's—but that's—I love that Esther's asking that because that was—that was one of my questions because I I want— Black creative girls when they're young to be recognized as creative, yeah, and to be recognized as artists, and for that to be championed and celebrated. And I was—that was the question I was going to jump off of Esther's.
2: You like, know, embrace did that weirdness. Did it exist? Like, I constantly am. Like, I'm a weirdo, but I don't say it like in a bad way. It's just like, uh, like I'm different. But in or a different like culture,
0: thing- those kids go to like
2: schools and learn exactly. like techniques and. Ex- you're not lying. One of my friends, one of my friends, one day we were talking about her daughter, and she was just like, she was like, look what she wanted to wear to school. And I'm like, okay, why can't she? And she's like, she's not going to—it was like a something you hear like older black women say, she's going to be fast hold up stop i'm like (laughs) i'm sure tori birch's mother was not doing that stop stifling her creativity like let her be her like even my aunt like i love and this whole adrian's mom was like the head librarian for um chicago public schools and she this was like before she passed she was like what do you think about like all these like kids with the colored hair and I go and tattoos. Well, and, well, she she's just like and the, rings. I said <laughs> I think if anybody's gonna be wearing colored hair, it should be children. And she's like, huh? I'm like, they don't have a job to go to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: Like, I mean, yeah. you know, now it's like whatever. This I, is you the know, time. At, at Head and Hearts, you can come with colored hair. You can do whatever you want to. I I embrace that. But and that's that's honestly why I transitioned away from Quaker because it started to feel so like suffocating. I'm like this version of myself at work. And um everyone that I was working with had come from the agency side. And when our agency would come in, when I would be like leading our packaging product projects or our couponing projects, they would have like tattoos and locks. And I'm like, I want to work with them. Like no one here everyone here like wears blue shirts and khakis.
1: I so when you this. were little, did you want blue hair? I mean, is that where you're is that what I'm hearing? No, like, I didn't. You were, were I feel you, like were it you was stifled. stifled. You were not you, the so things I wanted okay. were
2: stifled. Um, mm. I couldn't wear fingernail polish, but my nieces, who were at least five years younger than me, my stepmom would get them and polish their nails, and I'm like, I'm older than them, and you won't let me wear fingernail polish, but they can. And it was like I wasn't really allowed to choose my own clothes. My stepmom would go shopping for me, and she would get these things I hated, and I would just wear my brother's clothes. I be, that's why I like, was such a tomboy because I'm like, I'm just going to wear his clothes because I don't like I don't like this. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were like some things she'd buy where I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I can rock with this. And then there were other things. And then as I started to get older, we'd go shopping and it would be like, okay, do what you want. Or like holidays or birthdays when I have my own money. That's why I was always like, dad, can I iron your shirts or can I... It let me have my own money, and my dad was just always too like always have your own, always be prepared to pay. Like I feel like he raised us on something. Well, I don't know.
1: I think I think all parents. I mean, I know my mother was always like, you always have to have your mad money in your pocket. Yeah, you always have to get home on your own. Yeah. Don't ever count on any mad money from when you get upset. Money. And you're like, I am leaving. <laughs> exactly. Them. Always. And you're always.
2: Not like, but wait, I have to put up with no, this. No, I, I don't yeah, have always raise... I'm gone. I'm gone.
1: To Goodbye. not rely on anybody to me to. No. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not, that is totally, it depends on the parent situation. Yeah. You know, um, what I'm hearing is that, you know, creativity can't be stifled because, you know, it, it real, cre- real true, like God given talent creativity. It doesn't matter about your training. It doesn't matter about, you know, getting refined at, you know, Rodan School of Design. Yeah. Um, you know, which doesn't have a whole lot of African-American students, I might add, and that will stay on this podcast because I need to make that public service announcement. Um, But, you know, schools like RISD, exactly. Um, I feel that, um, you know, this is is a challenge in general. Um, Creativity exists everywhere and it needs to be championed and celebrated, not only um, by society, but certainly in families.
0: Boys and girls gathered to to anime. I have a theory. So we talk to a lot of small business owners about social media. So earlier we talked about Jay-Z being able to sustain his creative momentum over time, whatever. Um, a lot of the things that people struggle with when it comes to finding their voice on social media without feeling like they're just putting in ephemera into the world, cookie cutter stuff, is because they don't even really know who they are. They don't know what they have to say. They've never had to think about it because when you're like, you are the brand, it's your personality, Mm -hmm. not the airs you put on when other people are looking at you so that you fit in to what is. So when you think about how those types of things have been kind of ingrained in us, sometimes you wake up and you're like, not me, but some people wake up and they're like,
2: I don't even really know what I like. Mm -hmm. That's why I tend to piss people off in conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned to play devil's advocate in every situation, every single situation. And I'll have a conversation with you and I'll be like, oh, why do you think that? Or why'd you say that? Oh, okay. So, and it's really me trying to figure out why you're saying what you're saying. And some people might look at it as me challenging them. And really, I'm just trying to, one, understand what you just said, why you said it, what's behind it. And I'm also trying to get you, I'm trying to see if you understand why you said it. Because sometimes we just regurgitate things and we haven't even really thought about, do we really feel this way or why do we feel this way?
1: I'm kind of wondering, um, what do you, how do you define yourself? What is your, what do you, how, what do you, do you have a title? I mean, like, when did you, when did you start, do you actually as Ezra was just saying, wake up in the morning and know I am a creative. I'm an artist. Like, just, what is the thing in your head?
2: Real. Like, I don't know how to be anybody else but me. Um, And that's, like, flawed. That's, like, dope. That's, like, I, I'm figuring it out every day. I don't profess to be perfect. If that's your interpretation of what I'm doing, it's probably just because I'm just, I'm just doing me. Like, I don't. I'm just—I don't know. I'm just doing me. I don't really care too. I mean, you're know, like <laughs> she's like. No. I
1: mean, Quinn's like a muse. I mean, she's just oh, sort of you know I like that. You know, floating around and and you know it, it worries me sometimes with with people that are muses because um, you know people feed off of muses and then you know you hope that it doesn't dry up. Head and heart is your. I mean, I want to look at it as a parent company, for lack of a better word. Yeah, Um, that's accurate. um, That company does what exactly? So it
2: started out marketing, and then when I actually realized I'm going to release the book, I'm like, wait, everything that I'll do is under that. Um, So Black Card falls under that. Um, Well, I called like my—because what would Jay-Z do is like the first of— many I got like a whole blueprint for y'all like
0: oh blueprint blueprint
2: literally um but head and heart like the again that was like my dad reference we were on the phone and we're talking and he's like well you're special because you have head and heart and I'm like oh "Oh, I like that like I'm on the phone with my dad all the time and I, I like write down his quotes I'm like you're good like OK, like I keep saying, like, I'm going to write a book with just like my dad quotes, like just like cool stuff um or like perspective he gives me. And it's uh, like, you know, I used to like make fun of him because he's just always like, you got to have faith. You got to have faith. But now that voice has become like my voice, like faith. I
1: love that. The voice faith, in your faith, head. Faith, yeah. Hopefully your parents have had a good voice. Mm-hmm. So Head and Heart has the real black card. <laughs> yes. And then essentially what I think I do. <laughs> And then, what else does Head and Heart have besides a real black heart?
2: Well, there's Billionaire Books Club, which okay. is where what would Jay Z do falls in.
1: Let's talk a little bit about um, the Billionaire Book Club, but I really want to talk about it in the context of what would Jay Z do because that is the most yeah. amazing product that I've seen you release since I've been following you. Thank and, you. And the you know just some some context, you know Esther and I have been talking about entrepreneurship and hip hop and we've been Mm -hmm. arguing about it for at least a year fiercely and i mean fiercely arguing about it and we were having this conversation and um you know there's just been so many discussions and quotes and you know instagram channels that are representing hip hop artists and how they're succeeding in and in in you know entrepreneurship as hip hop artists and i was like oh my gosh we were talking about this you know we should Come up with some quotes for all these different artists. And I was emailing people I know saying, you know, can you just spend time doing research? Because, like you, I'm super crazy busy. And I'm thinking, do I have time to go through the millions of hip hop artists? I emailed a bunch of people. And then I thought, you know, maybe, you know, Quinn has an idea. And I don't even remember why I thought of you, Quinn, but I I sent you a text message and I said, you know, I need some help. You know, and I think it was probably because I've been following on Instagram. I was like, I need some help coming up with quotes for like, well, that's my book. I'm like, what book? You have a book? What book? You're like, that's what I'm working on. What would Jay-Z do? And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. How incredibly convenient is this? You have this amazing, beautiful product that you created. What would Jay-Z do? I want you to talk about this book. I have in my hands right now, the box that it came in. Um, you actually created it with duct tape with what would jay-z do and it's actually an acronym it's w-w-j-z-d you put a lot of care into the creation of this product i want you to talk about the whole entire experience because when i open it look at what's inside
2: you see what looks like a kilo of cocaine (laughs) so i mean it's true i love it yeah so that was the intention and so so
1: when you say a kilo of of cocaine i've never seen one and i'm not saying you have seen a movie here's the deal
2: i mean scarface so (laughs) as i
1: as i was starting to take the plastic off quinn's like no no Leave it on there. So, describe this entire experience, please.
2: So, um, that actually happened by accident. Well, not by accident. It was just um, a- adjusting, adjusting the sales. Okay. So, um, printing my book um, was taking longer than planned. And I'm like, wait, I need to save something in the meantime, in between time, where people have the content, but not the final book. So, um It was always this play on Jay-Z, like he, you know, monster of the double entendre. Mm -hmm. He says, keys open doors. So the story kind of goes where Jay-Z says he used drug money to help fund his music career. So that kilo of cocaine or those kilos of cocaine opened doors for him to become who he is now. But also when you say keys open doors, it's, you know, um, like taking that, like, Keys to life, which is essentially what the book is. So I wrapped the book as a kilo of cocaine. Um, I did work in packaging for Quaker Oats for like a year and a half of my life, so I pay attention to packaging. <laughs> I also worked in packaging on Oscar myers So,
1: so when you say you wrapped it, what exactly is it wrapped with, and how did you create Classic this wrapping? Did you? a kilo of cocaine? <laughs> are you are you wrapping this yourself by hand? Yeah. So you're actually in your kitchen. Every time you get an order, someone clicks a button.
2: Yeah. Well, in my you, office, but yeah. in your office,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you're wrapping this you're with, really <laughs> with plastic wrap. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, we're going to put a picture of this when we uh, release the podcast, yes. but, um, I just love it because, yeah, it feels like a brick. Yeah, of course. What's what's a brick? <laughs> beautifully surprising about it when yeah. I open it is that, which took me by surprise. I had no idea
2: um, it's a Bible. So no, actually no. Okay. I was intentional not to wrap the Bible like books like a brick of cocaine. I just thought that that would be taking it too far. But what you have there is the version of the book before the Bible design. I mean, the Bible design was always the first design, but I had to squish some things in between to make sure that you guys aren't waiting so long. So intentionally, this does not come wrapped like a brick of cocaine. This comes in a what would Jay-Z do bag. Okay, it's a so, talk bag. About,
1: so talk about that. We have one version that is
2: this. The brick of cocaine. So and you so, either got it or you don't. If okay, you, missed out, that, you missed out on that you missed out So then
1: when I, <laughs> so when I opened the brick of cocaine quote unquote um, are the, is the book contents yeah, of the Bible the same inside content. this?
2: It's the same content.
1: So now I don't want to open it. That's no. why I just Take told
0: you no. don't. One to rock and one to stock. <laughs> yeah. <Change> exactly. <laughs> Dro- dropping the work.
2: <laughs> when I saw when you walked in here with it and I saw that you hadn't unwrapped it I'm like that's awesome now you never have to unwrap it. Like I literally had people buying two Right. They wanted that, and then they wanted... The, well, I purposely
1: didn't unwrap it because I knew you were coming, and Mom I wanted bad. to open that the box out. with you sitting here. Okay, Some people so, were like,
2: I need to wrap mine up because they wanted the sticker.
1: Um, I do want I the sticker. Want I want it all. <laughs> I, want, I want it all. I know you said you It'll don't come. want it all, but I do. So then, okay, so let's talk about the actual um, creation of the book. I mean, earlier you spoke about this... Um, Beautiful fandomship you have of Jay Z, and you've been following him your almost your entire life. Um, you wrote this amazing book. How did you produce it, and um, explain how you actually got this creation into a Bible? Because it's it's beautifully laid out with leather. Um, there's a stamp on it with your name on it. There's raised and depressed lettering, gold rimmed on the outside. Beautiful. Pages which are just like a Bible. The typography is immaculate. Everything's laid out well. Beautiful spacing, margins. Um, you know, perfected, spell checked. I mean, come on, Quinn. The
2: th- the thing about the book, I think it kind of hits different, depending upon where you are in your life, what you've experienced, like what revelations you've had, or you know. So it just kind of hits different. I think you can look at, you know, what's today, July. Second. second, you can look at July second today, and it could mean like, oh, okay, I get it. But two years from now, you might be like, whoa, that yeah. hit different.
1: <laughs> um, and I love the, I love the fact that in this book, um, it is divided by day. I mean, I think that's that's a fantastic idea. Um, I wish you. I had thought of it. Well,
2: people don't read like they used to, right? And um, you got like about an Instagram caption, even like a long instagram mm-hmm. or facebook posts people are like oh my god right like, what's the point so i feel like this is probably like about the length of like a long instagram post so it might be or facebook post, but it might be long for social media but it's short for a book so it's like you know it probably takes you less than a minute to kind of get your word for the day and just set the tone for your day and like help you set your intentions and give you something to think about
1: So I would love to hear yeah. what whichever ones you want oh, to read I just, out loud. Well,
2: it's July 8th, but what I open to is I Will Not Lose Ever. So that's from Jay-Z's You Don't Know on the Blueprint. Um, so I don't know. It's just about essentially keeping that mindset that um, there are no losses and just keep going. Um, especially in life, like everything is a lesson, which he says that too, a loss ain't a loss, it's a lesson. I think sometimes we take that, like getting knocked down as, so we take it personal. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm not strong enough or maybe this wasn't meant to be instead of like using that as an opportunity to flex your muscles, get back up and be like, okay, so what did I learn from that? Maybe don't give them all the money up front next time, or maybe do a little bit more research about who I, you know, or you know what? I got some cute ideas from (laughs) what they, what they did. Um, Wasn't what I planned initially, but okay, that was cute. I can take that into the next one. And, you know, you kind of have to look at it as a blessing. Well, doubling back to that situation as frustrating as it is it's also kind of like I don't know I depend a lot on the universe and I'm like maybe that wasn't someone that I should be doing business with Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. I, I feel totally protected by the universe like totally I feel like you know some things have happened but I feel like in general I have like good people around me like I meet good people and attract good people so
1: do you know what I love about this book which Quinn just demonstrated for me as she was sitting there is that when I was looking at it, I was opening the pages and just randomly almost like a tarot card. Like what what am I gonna what am I gonna land on and what message is it sending me? Yeah right? It's very mystical. Yeah. And then when it's you mystical. read this, you're like a fortune you, cookie. Yeah. Then you kind of go off into another sort of space and you're like thinking of all other things that are happening around you related to what you just
2: read. Right. So that's why I said it hits different. Like, if that would have been a year ago when I read that, I probably wouldn't have been able to draw on it the same way because I've been through less or I've had less lessons. But it just hits different depending on where you are in life. If you haven't had your heart broken yet, but... No, read another one, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, February 22nd is I'm not looking at you dudes. I'm looking past you from heart of the city on the blueprint. So um, he actually kind of spoke about this a little bit in an interview where, I mean, I think we've all like had a moment where we're like, what you looking at? <laughs> like you feel like somebody's staring at you and it, it's a little uncomfortable. You're like, what are they looking at? Um, but it makes you like, it, it's also saying like, sometimes I'm honestly I'm in a daze. I'm thinking about my dreams. I'm um, I wasn't even looking at you or maybe I was looking at you. Maybe I maybe you just inspired me for something. Maybe I'm like, "You know what? Okay, that's what I'm going to wear to my next interview." Or, "Oh, I really like that look." Or, "Oh, she reminds me of my aunt that passed away." Like sometimes we take it so personal, um probably because someone's staring at us, we might feel like they we seem vulnerable. But um Sometimes it's just like, stop. So many arguments or things have exploded just off of a, what you looking at? And it's like, I'm looking at my dreams is what I'm looking at next. Move on.
1: How long did it take you to create this? What would Jay-Z do?
2: Um, so, like I said, that one night, I just kind of started purging and putting things down on paper. That was about four years ago. A little bit over four years years ago. So, it was, like, 70 pages, 80 pages of just, like, just me, like, rambling on about, like, how Jay-Z is just so dope and how close I've come to him and why I wanted an internship. And, like, some quote, like, some of his quotes were, like, um, weaved in there, um, and then I just stopped and I'm like, who cares?
1: <laughs> like, four
2: years? What makes me a pro? Well, it wasn't like four years of consistent working on it. It was like I wrote like those 80 pages and then I like dropped No, but it. I understand that.
1: I mean, that's the yeah. book writing process. I mean, people, there's people that after a year they give up. But, you know, you're still having this in your head over the course of four years. Did people know
2: you were working on this? So one person knew when I first like what what kind of serves as like the introduction now um, that's where I started. And so my boyfriend at the time, I'm like, I want you to, like, look at something. Because, you know, like, it's weird because depending on where you met me in my life, you wouldn't know whether or not I was a Jay-Z fan. Or you probably thought I liked Jay-Z, but it's like, who doesn't? So, but, like, at one point it was fanatical. Like, I literally, like, used to want to <laughs> fight people. Like, don't talk about him. Like, during that whole Naj, Jay-Z beef, like, it was a whole situation. But... Um, you know, at some point it was like, okay, I grew up like, okay, this internship with Rockefeller or this job with Rockefeller is not going to happen. Like, grow up. Like, you sound kind of crazy now. Like, you're 25 fighting with people about Jay-Z. Like, does he pay you? No. No. Like, (laughs) relax. So it kind of, like, piped down. I, like, kept that and I sent it to him. And I'm like, what do you think? I was, like, thinking, like, it could be a book. And he's like, do it. Do it. I love that. He's like, that's dope do it so that's when it became that's the kind of man
1: that's working out for me right there (laughs) I know that's right I love it
2: (laughs) so um it like you know I like it became that 80 pages and then I was like as I'm like looking I'm like who cares like what makes me the the resource on like why would anybody want to read it like it It just hadn't connected for me yet. So um, I think just like with Instagram, you know how you're always, you always see like these little affirmations or these like little, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, this is what's popular. And my Instagram for the longest time was more like these like little, not memes, but like these quotes. It was more quotes than pictures. And I'm like, wait, this is supposed to be about pictures. But when I like scroll through my feed, it's all like, you know, Don't be good, be great, which is probably... And your feed
1: is beautiful. I mean, I think, yeah, your feed is really beautiful. Um,
2: Can you read a couple more from the the book? Um, Take Those Monies and Spread Cross Family. So that's essentially just um, creating generational wealth. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what we, like, I don't know if we think it's a race to who depletes their money the fastest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. For people that um, you're death is so um mysterious you don't know how long you're going to be here on life but you know it costs <laughs> to live um we just like plow through money like it's like endless I but love we know it's money. not so i mean i think it is a rush <laughs> it's like a drug it's like oh my god i just bought this but then i think there's also this like regret after where you're like, wait, did I, how much money did I just spend today? Like, what did I just do? And you think start to think like, what could I have been doing with that? We ate chicken and waffles and we spent a hundred dollars. Like
0: someone just turned the lights on. And you're like, yeah, like, oh, like what, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like leaving the covers. Yeah. You're like, what
2: happened? And I literally started to be like, yo, like what could you have done with that? My love has come come
0: and So, Quinn, for people who want to get the entire experience of this amazing book that you've written, can you tell us the website, your Instagram handles, where can people interact with your brand, your book, you, your personal brand, and just learn more about these products and these amazing things that you're doing?
2: Okay. Well, you can order the book online at com, And there's actually a hyphen in Jay-Z. So, so www.whatever.com what would j-z com on instagram you can follow us at www or my personal page low-key qb
0: perfect amazing. amazing thank you so much for coming and sharing some amazing Z knowledge and then just your entrepreneurial creative journey with us
2: thanks for having me
0: i'm estri coro
1: And I'm Ginger Birkenbuehl. And we'll see you next time.
0: The Honest Field Guide podcast is produced by Burke Creative, written and created by Ginger Birkenbuehl and Esthery Koro. The podcast is recorded in the innovation and technology capital of the Midwest, Chicago, at Stomping Ground Studios in Ukrainian Village.
1: Original music is written by and provided courtesy of Utah Carol. Follow Honest Field Guide on Instagram and Twitter. The opinions expressed on the Honest Field Guide are opinions only and only represent the views of Ginger Berkenbuehl and Esther Ikora.